Well, welcome back to another episode of Dad You Podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Sherrod, and I think I've said this before. I'm the marriage and family director here at Watermark, and um, we just want this time to be encouraging for you dads, really for you to feel equipped a little bit more, um, motivated, maybe reminded of some things you already know or um, informed about some stuff you could start doing. Always what we try to emphasize, and I, I try to say this every time, is uh, just what faithful fathers are. I think we have a lot of, ton of different ideas, but my main emphasis is always that faithful fathers uh, do four things. They are, they passionately love Jesus. They own the role of disciple maker. They create a word-centered home. That's really what you see in Deuteronomy 6. And then they initiate faith conversations. And that's ultimately because God calls us to be the primary uh, discipler of our kids. Um, Ephesians 6.4 just says that we're supposed to bring our kids up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So those are my um, reminders each time. I'm excited about today. We have a special guest with us, um, Mickey Friedrich, or Frederick. We were just talking about exactly how to say the name. So welcome. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, glad to have you. Tell us real quick, your family, your kiddos, and then um, I guess a brief bio, like what you do and then even your role here at, at Watermark. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Uh, so uh, I've been married, Jessica and I have been married for 17 years now. Okay. And uh, we have four kids, uh, the first two uh, through adoption, the second two the old-fashioned way. Uh-huh. And they are 6, 10, 13, and 18. So we have various life stages going on and some fun conversations going on surrounding right. the life conversation. Okay. And uh, Boy, I, girl, boy, girl, what are the, yeah, the so, ratio? Yeah, uh, so it's two and two, girls on the outside, uh, six okay. and 18, boys on the inside, 10 and 13. Okay. So we have a lot of fun. Uh, not very much quiet, okay. but a lot of fun. Yep. And how old, so the oldest two, mm-hmm. how old were they when they came home? Yeah. So uh, whenever we adopted them uh, and their siblings, uh, our daughter was uh, five, Mila, and then Bay was nine months old. Okay. Is Bay short for something? Uh, Bayena. Oh, nice. And so they're from Ethiopia. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, they got to keep their first names. His is Bayena, goes by Bay, and her name is Hermila, and she goes by Mila. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. So That's it's awesome. a lot of fun. Okay. And then uh, we've been at Watermark for 14 years now. Wow. Grew up in, you know, small country churches, stuff like that. And so Watermark's just been a gift. And I've learned a tremendous amount, primarily from the men who have led here for years. Uh And as I've learned what it means to be a man of God and everything that we'll talk about today, I I think I've learned from men here. Uh And so I'm just regurgitating the handholds that I've picked up from them over the years. Yep. And I, I remember a little bit of your story, but I know that you even having a dad that you can look up to was challenging, right, growing up as mm. far as, I mean, you had different dads, but it was it yeah, was a part of your story. It is. I mean, I, I was adopted yeah. uh, at the age of eight. My dad adopted me. I've always had a loving mother through all of it, but uh, through the years, and then he died in my arms whenever I was a freshman in high school. Mm. And so I've had, you know, four father figures, yeah. men who are my dad for various seasons, but... Uh, and the dad that raised me, the one that adopted me, Fred, he was a, an amazing man in every sense of the word, uh, except for being a man of God. Hmm. I've really had to figure out what that looks like along the way. Yeah. I went through intense rebellion in and, and high school and college. And when God called me back to himself, I didn't know what to do. And so I reverted into passivity and uh, just felt emasculated. But I knew that all of my answers led to brokenness and anger and fights and stuff like that. So it's been a process learning what a man of God looks like. Yeah, awesome. 
Tell me your role here at Watermark. Like, yeah, yeah. Congrats. So I've been able to serve as an elder here for the last two and a half years. And before that, got to serve as a campus shepherd with Blake and some others. And, yeah. and before that, my wife and I have, have led re-engage groups, foundation groups, served in Mercy Street. And so it's just been a fun journey of ministry here at Watermark. And and I think it relates well. And then I also work, I'm a petroleum engineer, uh-huh. and I've had various jobs in oil and gas. And so just balancing family, faith, and, uh, and work is always a challenge. Yes, and that was the topic. So dads, if you can relate to this, there are so many things um, that we face is that, that we're kind of expected to do, obviously provide for our family, and but then have family time, but then we want to be involved in church. And then if you're coaching your kids at all or want to have any time for a hobby or just stuff. So really the topic today is learning to balance these challenges of how do you juggle that time of work and wife and kids. If you're in a community group, I mean, you add that on top where you want to be involved there. So we want to talk about advice. What would be helpful? How would you begin to navigate that? Or how have you seen it? What are some words of wisdom that you would that you would say? Yeah, well, thank you, Chris. And, and just thanks for the opportunity to talk about this. I, yeah. I think this is a conversation that us as dads need to have continually. Yeah. And I don't want to claim to have any of the answers. I'm just going to share today some of the some of the handholds that I have as I as I try to discern, you know, God's will from my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm not preaching answers, but welcoming others into my journey. And I look forward to the conversations that we'll get to have with with dads as they as they you know continue this conversation. Yep. So right. what it, what it comes down to in the midst of what feels like fog of war, all the things that you mentioned, especially when we have young kids or teenage, it just feels like it always feels like I'm just playing catch up. Yep. And, and then I'm reacting a lot of the time. And there's a lot of draws on our time. And so the, the truth of the matter is, in the midst of that fog, life is a journey with a purpose. Mm-hmm. It really is, even if it doesn't feel like it. And purpose is really important for dads, whether it's in the, war, in the home, at work, uh, in faith, because the, the truth is we were made to slay dragons. I mean, whatever that looks like for mm-hmm. us. Um, and if we think about work, our families, church, I mean, we were, we were made to build something special. And, uh, and it's great to desire to pursue opportunities for advancement at work and different things. But then it's a, it's a longer conversation. How do those play together? Uh, and so it really comes down to what does purpose mean for us? You know, Teddy Roosevelt said this quote. I always think about it. It says, the best prize life has to offer is the chance to work hard at work worth doing. Hmm. You know, I, I don't know if he was a Christian, um, and this wasn't in a, in a Christian context, but, but I think it's a good perspective for us is work is a good thing. Yeah. It's good to be busy. It's good to pour ourselves out. But what really matters for a man of God is what does it really mean to define a work worth doing? Yeah. And so I, I want to share three dangers, and, and, and then I want to kind of share three uh, swing cues, as it were, that, that I use in my life. Um, but as we walk this journey, so as we talk about we are on a journey with a purpose, here's three dangers as we pursue our purpose. Okay. Uh, the first is, I would just label as fake ID. Okay. It's where we get our identity from work, from our bank account, from hobbies like golf, working out, or something else. And, and we can start to get our identity ap- apart from other things, from being a man of God. Mm-hmm. You know, we read in Romans 12, too, that the winds of current are strong. We can go to work and be a firm for working 80-hour weeks. We get raises, promotions. We can get praise for doing a lot of different things, having a scratch handicap in golf. But Romans 12, too, says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, so that by testing you may be able to discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so we're not left alone in our struggle, mm-hmm. uh, but it's only through processing, through the word, through prayer, 
and with our, our wives and community that we can we really start to discern, you know, what is the right target and where should I be getting my ID from? And I heard someone say one time, there's really nothing more dangerous than a, a man who is untethered and searching for his identity. Like mm-hmm. it's, you can lead into so many things. And I think that's part of what happens in the midlife crisis too, is you're, you're, you're realizing all the things that I thought were going to bring me, you know, satisfaction aren't, or that expression or that analogy, my, my ladder has been leaned up against the wrong wall this whole time. Mm-hmm. Or I'm, you know, I got everything that I wanted and I'm mm-hmm. still searching. Um, I love the Bourne identity. I love the, the Bourne movies. And that's, in one sense, um, you know, someone who has amnesia, like Jason Bourne, is always walking around going, you know, who am I and why am I here? Like, what what's my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? Because I can't remember. And uh, it was actually A.W. Tozer years ago who talked about spiritual amnesia, that from the beginning, because of the fall, now we've got this and we're looking to find out who we are and all these other things, we look for it. And I think as men, like you said, how we're wired to slay dragons, we were competitive by nature, which I think is a God-given thing. Like mm-hmm. it's good, like iron sharpening iron. But I heard a guy say one time we have, um, we suffer from MCD, misplaced competitive disorder. <laughs> and what he talked about is we're competitive in our recreation and our occupation, like those two big things. And we will fight to do all those things, but we're not fighting in the areas that really matter, whether it's spiritual warfare or for our wives or for our families, but we're wired that way. And we want to do that. And we, we get excited about epic things and even, you know, video games where we can be the hero and we can win. And, you know, when we're conquering and claiming these kingdoms that don't even exist, and then you've got the real thing that's going on. So that's a good point. I like thinking of a fake ID. That's a good way. Yeah. And there's, I think we could talk the whole time about uh, all of these points, but um, individually, but there's two ways to learn. We can either learn from the experiences of others and mm-hmm. wisdom that we read in the Bible, uh, or we can learn the hard way. And I think we can go through the trap is we can go through life chasing different identity after different identity. Mm-hmm. And then we end up at the end and we can end up with a wasted life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think there's a, a lot of warnings along the way, uh, secular and through faith. And, and one that just continues to be recycled is Tom Brady's interview after winning multiple yeah. uh, Super Bowls at a young age and having all the money he ever wanted. And he said, man, I don't know what life's about, but I, I know that I haven't found it, and it's not about this. And, and we've seen what his journey looks like. He sacrificed his family on the altar of football. And, um, and, and I think that's a good warning to us. Like if we can have a picture of what it looks like if we reached all of our goals, mm-hmm. um, if those goals are identity or our purpose, uh, we're not going to find life there yeah. if, if it's those, those alone. And, and the second point that I wanted to bring up, uh, second danger as we pursue our purpose is, is closely related to the fake ID, but it's we establish the wrong target. Mm-hmm. What can happen is we can start to think what our family needs is, is money and all that it provides mm-hmm. versus simply T-I-M-E with that. Mm. And uh, our, our kids don't need all the things their friends have. Their kids don't need, our kids don't need fancy vacations. Our kids don't need a better house apart from having a relationship with us and a relationship can only come from spending time together. And uh, I just go back to Deuteronomy 6, which you mentioned in the intro there, Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 7. I'm going to read this because these these are the words of God spoken to the people of Israel, and it's a picture of, of what it looks like in the family of faith as well, and specifically in our families. He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. 
And this isn't a burden. This isn't a checklist mm-hmm. where, you know, we're, God's going to send us the detention if we're not doing this. But, but if we want life, if we want to pursue life in our life and in our family's life, this is the pattern that our creator has given us mm-hmm. on, on what life should look like. And what stands out to me, you know, besides the first verses talking about, we shall love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might. So there's, there's a pursuit, there's an abiding in Christ that we must do. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it's also all of these interactions with our kids. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. That requires presence. And it doesn't mean that we're always opening the Bible and talking about right. Jesus things, but it just means we're living life with our families, mm-hmm. and we've got to be present to do that. And then there's just crazy things that happen whenever we're around our kids. They get to see how we react, and we, we miss something in modern society. Uh, I grew up in the country. Grandparents were all farmers, and, and I grew up working on the farm and ranch myself. But you just see a lot of dads are with their sons yeah. and daughters all the time because they take them with them in the truck when they feed. They put them on the tractor with them and they need them to help work as as they get old enough to do so. But I just realized, man, some of the most well-adjusted kids that I saw in college were the, the young men and women that had farmer dads who spent a ton of time with their dads throughout their childhood. And we miss that now that we leave you know, in seasons, I've left the house at 5.30 in the morning and I didn't get home till six at night. And then I was exhausted. Yeah. And my kids had no idea where I was, where I was all day. And then I'm not giving them my best at night whenever I get home because I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm still thinking about work. And so it just comes back to we can develop the wrong target. There's seasons to work hard. There's seasons when we're going to have to make sacrifices. But we need to be careful that seasons don't, be, don't turn into the status quo. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the last thing I'll say on this point is, you know, we are to work hard and give our best. Uh, but if we're where God has placed us, then giving our best does not mean robbing the most important areas of our life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that leads to hard decisions. Sometimes we'll turn down a promotion. Sometimes we won't do the things that we could if making all the money in the world was the main goal of our life. But we have to remember the target and we have to remember the importance of time. Yep. For six years, I was a school teacher and coach. And then for eight years, I was a youth pastor. And it is such an easy lie to believe that if we just had more, we'd be happier. Or my kids would be content. Like, how can they not be content? Like, look at mm. all that they have. And you look at this, you know, generation and even the one before where it's, you know, one of the most depressed generations or drug use is on, a, like, all of this stuff. And you're like, how can you not be content with what you, you know, you have all these things. And that's where this is, I mean, this is an old study that was done by MTV. I think it was 2007. So I'm, this is, but still, this was, was fascinating to me. They asked, um, all these 15 to 24-year-olds, this open-ended question, what makes you happy? Like, they, they literally could have answered anything. So this is MTV asking 15 to 24-year-olds, the number one answer was spending time with my family. Mm. And, and you that's just, MTV. MTV. And I, you just think that of all the things kids could have said um, that make them happy, but as they, you know, you know are looking back, like, that is the number one thing, even though they, don't, they might not act like it. They might roll their eyes or act like it's a burden, but um, I think— that really is exactly what you said with the T-I-M-E, that that's how they spell love. And it's mm. just being present. So, yeah, that's those are good reminders. So you said fake ID, mm-hmm. wrong target, yep, and then the trade? The trade is number three. Okay, and tell and me about that And it's related to what we were just okay. talking about. Okay, but, um, And we have these conversations around here all the time, and I'll, I'll explain why in a second. But uh, the trade is where we sacrifice family time, discipleship, service, and giving for someday in the future when we finally made it. I mean, I've got goals, uh-huh. right? And uh, I love all these things. I want to be generous. I want to spend a lot of time with my family. But in 10 years, 
whenever I've arrived at some place, mm-hmm. uh, that's whenever I'll be able to uh, really spend time with my family and give to the church through time and, and, and possessions and stuff. And, and that's the trade. You know, we see in James uh, 4 where, you know, James says, Come now, you who say tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this. We will live and do this or that. Mm. And so that's one aspect of why the trade is so wrong. We're presuming on a future that we're not guaranteed. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and for a lot of, I mean, as seeing my dad die at the age of uh, 34, whenever I was a freshman, he didn't plan to die that day. Right. And he just had a massive heart attack and he was gone. Wow. And that's just a reminder of how fast it can end. And we all know stories of, of life ending far before we expected it yep. to. So that's a stewardship aspect. Another thing that happens is, is we can still allow ourselves to believe the lie that the trade is faithfulness. Mm. And one of the ways that we can we can do that, um, there's, there's men around here that have been very successful in their career, and they've been very open about their story. Um, but along the way, they, they made the choices that they're asking us now not to make. Mm. And they have the scars to show for it, both in their family, you know, affairs, and just lost decades of time that they could have spent with their family. And they've learned that lesson the hard way. And they have deep scars from it. Um, and God redeems those scars. But here's what happens is they're authentic and they tell their story. And then the young men uh, sitting there listening are thinking, man, they made the trade and it turned out turned out pretty well for them. Hmm. They're helping lead a church. They've got a lot of resource now. Yep. Um, their family's uh, doing pretty good. So I think I want to make that trade. And I know God will redeem that as well. Yeah. And that's just not the path of faithfulness. Mm-hmm. We know God redeems our story, whatever it looks like. But I think we, we lack a conception of the deep life with God if we walk the journey with him and the rewards uh, that come with it. Also, we get to make our choices, but we don't get to choose the consequences. So just because somebody made the choices and they almost lost their family, uh, but then God redeemed that and brought them back together, that doesn't mean if we walk that same path that our family won't end up in shambles. Mm-hmm. And the reality is we can... We can make all the money in the world but lose our families in the process, and it would not be worth it. And another reality is no matter how much money or the titles that we accumulate, so let's let's envision that by the age of 55, we've been able to make all the money in the world. We've got $50 million in our bank account. Our kids are off in college and starting their lives, and but we don't have a relationship with our kids. Mm -hmm. They just ask, where where were you, Dad? And uh, you're never in my games. I never got time with you. You never opened up God's word. You never shared your struggles with us. Um, you never cheered me on, you know, the way that I saw other dads doing it. And all the money in the world can't go back and allow us to be present at those moments that were so pivotal for our, our kids' lives. And, and the other thing that I'll say on that too, you know, having a six-year-old now, I love babies and we're done having kids, but man, I'm, I'm, I miss the baby phase. We no longer have a baby. And so now I'm trying to treasure every day with Goldie, our little six-year-old, because yep. she's growing up so fast. And just, we were talking about before this, just the things that come out of our kids' mouths, what they're thinking, mm-hmm. the gaps in their, it's, in their understanding. It's so sweet. But we can say, I, I sacrificed that for being a slave to the office, you know, six or seven days a week for these mythical goals in the future. Whenever I get to that point and she's left the house, I can never come back and enjoy another day today in April of 
2023, which is when we're recording this. Yep. And uh, and so I think that's important to keep in perspective the treasure that we have in each day and things like breakfast with the kids, taking the kids to school, writing our kids notes and putting them in their lunch boxes. I've mm, been amazed good. at how much that means to our kids. Yep. Taking lunches with our wives. Even if there's a cost, even if we're missing, you know, we could be making more money if we would devote that hour to, to business. And then being there for our kids' activities, uh, having dinners with kids, and, and even having a set time. We're all at the house from 5.30 to 6.30, and that is our golden hour, our family time. Yep. And be diligent to, to, uh, to protect it. And then just activities in the evening, throwing a football, shooting baskets, just doing things that kids are physical and so we shouldn't be sitting there with the Bible open at the kitchen table all the time, but doing things that are active that our kids yeah. enjoy. But it's really, so we miss out on all that if we make the trade and we can choose our decisions, but we can't choose the consequences. Mm, that's so good. I think back to um, Psalm 90 verse 12 that says, teach us to number our days mm. that we may gain a heart of wisdom, not number our months, not number our years, but number our days. Mm. And I think what you're saying is so true that, that I think in my mind, I had this idea like it's all going to be these big conversation pivotal moments where it's like the time we had the talk about sex or the time we had the talk versus all those small daily deposits like you just said one hour every evening like this is our family hour we're mm-hmm. 5 30 6 30 we're eating we're intentional because i think there's a certain level of guilt that guys just walk around feeling like um, i'm not doing enough but it's more the small stuff like okay so you're you're taking them to school but what are you doing even in the car on the mm-hmm. way to school like that might be 10, 15, 20 minutes of your day, but what are you doing with that time? And that's where I think twice in the New Testament, Paul says to, it's translated a couple of different ways, make the best of best use of the time or redeem the time. Old school King James, I think says um, in Ephesians 5, but it's literally the word actually does mean to redeem. It means to buy back, to to, to take the, the idea is there was something um and it's the same word that he uses to talk about Jesus redeeming us. That's kind of like we were on the auction block and Jesus came and bought us. And so mm-hmm. Paul says that same thing is what you do with your time. You make the best use of the time. Or some versions say make the most of every opportunity. And I'll just tell you now having a 29-year-old, it is so true that you mm-hmm. think like, well, I'm going to have all the time in the world. And the truth is once they get their license or get a job, like that's – a lot of that time is just gone naturally because of mm-hmm. sports and, and other responsibilities. And I think back when I was a teenager, I didn't want to go hang out with my parents. And so now it's going to be always this battle. And so when they're younger, and probably what you're experiencing too with your youngest is, I think you so want them to move on to the next stage. You end up wishing away all those stages. And to realize with my son, Jordan, there was some point 20-something years ago where I held his hand for the last time. Mm. But I didn't know at that moment that it was the last time. And so it's like treasure those and enjoy those. You know, when you can hold your baby, we can do those things. And, yeah, you want them to move on and get out of diapers and learn to dress themselves. But still, if you're always looking for that, what you just said, the trade-off one day, then I'll be able to. And it's like, no, that it's it's now. Like make the most of this time now that you have. And even like you said, those few minutes of just, hey, let's run outside and throw the ball or mm-hmm. um, play a you know, video game together mm-hmm. um, rather than go play your video games, you know, is, is just monumental. So, okay, fake ID, wrong target, and then falling for the trade, that lie that it'll, it'll be worth it in the end. And I think, you know, Proverbs is so helpful. What you were talking about is you're thinking about the future um, and you can either live and learn or learn and live. Yeah. Good stuff. That's exactly right. And so, I mean, I think what happens is we start in the fog of war, the Uh fog of life, 
And then we hear things like that. Okay, don't do, don't go the route of the fake ID. Don't pursue the wrong target. Don't uh, embrace the trade. Uh-huh. And then it's like, okay, I, I want to reject those things, but it's like, what do I do? Yeah. And so those, those are the the final three points that we're going to mention. Like, what do we need to focus on? Because we're going to focus on something. Yeah. And so here I call these three swing cues for the journey. Okay. And a swing cue is like in golf, okay. right? When everything's crazy, there's stress, or you're just trying to enjoy the game, but your swing won't let you. Uh-huh. Like, wh- what are the three things I want to remember in that swing? And I'm not a big golfer, but I like sports, so okay. I, I think it, it still applies. So these are three swing cues that I try to come back to and reset to daily, weekly, monthly, to just assess how am I doing? Am I pursuing the right purpose on okay. the journey? So here's three swing cues for our journey. Uh, the first one is, is abide in Christ daily and strive to grow closer to him in every season. Mm -hmm. And I mean, these are the words of Jesus in John 15, some of the most important words in our Bible, 15 verses four and five, where Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we have to start with, do we believe these words? Mm -hmm. And are we going to pray for the spirit to show us what might need to change if we're going to, to seek to follow the words of Jesus. Abide just means to live in. Mm-hmm. And so what does it mean for us to live in Jesus? And, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things to learn in that. And, and God provides us resources with people, with books, with the Bible itself that helps us understand what that is. But uh, what can happen is even if our goal is to abide in Christ daily and to grow with him through each season— we can be tempted to, I have been tempted to in various seasons, to take seasons off mm-hmm. because of how busy I was. Yeah. Whether it was a, an infant, I've, I've gotten graduate degrees before where I'm having to study nights and weekends. And I just, with the demanding job at the same time and, and serving in church. And so it's like, man, I just don't have time for that, you know, hour time in the morning with the Lord that I uh, would love to have given a more flexible schedule. And so I'm just going to listen to a Bible verse on my way to work through an audio app on my phone and pray to God for a few minutes and uh, try to stay focused. And then I'm off to my day. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what happens is we miss out on the opportunity to walk with God during those really tough seasons. But the real danger is, well, there's another danger. We give Satan many opportunities to take us down mm-hmm. when we drift yep. during those seasons. And then a season can turn into the rest of our lives. And so what can happen is we just have truncated spiritual growth. We end up being a Christian for for decades, but realize like, why am I not seeing the fruit in my life? Why am I not at the same place and maturity wise that other men are that have been only been walking with the Lord for 10 years? Mm -hmm. And and that can cause us to withdraw from the Lord as well, because now it's been time and, and that guilt and the shame and everything just becomes a wedge in our relationship with the Lord. So it's dangerous even to take a season off. Now, how we pursue the Lord, how we abide in Christ can change from season to season, but it always has to be the biggest rock in our jar to use that analogy. And I think what you said, too, is do we really believe mm-hmm. that apart from him we can do nothing? Because I think in my mind, I'm like, really? Like, nothing? Like, I, I can do some things. You know, and I think you can be active, but as far as producing fruit, which is what he keeps talking about in this passage, um, you just can't. Like, and I'm just have lived long enough to know the fruit of Chris Sherrod is really ugly. <laughs> mm. You don't want to be around the fruit of Chris Sherrod. Um, but that's all I'm left with if I'm not abiding. It could be challenging um, many times along the way to walk with the Lord. So that leads to the second point of don't walk the path alone. 
Um, we're not left alone. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he left us his spirit, his word, and, yeah. and his people. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, Where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. And then Ecclesiastes 4, you know, 9 through 12 is great, but it ends up just by saying, hey, a threefold cord is not not quickly broken. Mm -hmm. And uh, it says up at the beginning, like, hey, two are better than one uh, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. And then if we take that and apply that to abiding in Christ, having other brothers where we're sharing our walk, sharing our challenges and encouraging one another, Mm -hmm. um, that's just uh, the provision of God to help us along in the journey. And here at Watermark, you know, community groups are an essential part of how we seek to be transformed by Christ, to love like Christ. What I'm talking about here includes our community groups, but we also want to travel with others who encourage and stretch us along the way, even if it's not in our community group. So we talk to a lot of people who say, man, I want to memorize scripture. I want to have a real accountability. But most of the other men in my group aren't interested in doing those things. Mm-hmm. They're, they're walking on their journey, but they're just not at a place where they're interested in doing that. So should I change community groups? Mm-hmm. And, and my counsel is always, no, don't. God has you there for a purpose, and you need those men, and they need you. But find some running partners. Yeah. And there, there's two analogies that I use it is, use for it. Is, is one is, like, say, say that we're runners. Um, and I, I believe spiritually we have the genetics to run a five-minute mile, right? That's just walking the path of sanctification mm-hmm. and experience of the full life in God. But what happens if we're surrounded by other people that aren't that interested in running after Jesus uh, at a five-minute mile, we can be progressing at, say, a 15-minute pace, which is pretty much walking. <laughs> and so we have to find those people who are part of a running group outside of our normal circle who are going to encourage us, challenge us, hold us accountable. So find running partners that are going to run with you. And then the other example I use is, say we're high school athletes and we play on a, on a decent football team, but we, we have the height and the strength and the skills. We have a vision of going to a D1 college football program. Well, we're going to practice with our football team, but we're also going to be you know, working with a coach on the weekends or, or after practice. Mm-hmm. We're going to be joining leagues in the summer to develop our skills with higher competition. And I think about that way with our spiritual lives as well. Don't stay at the level of the people that are around you. If God's placed the fire inside of you, take advantage of that to know his word, to learn his word, to figure out how to live it out. And that means that we're going to need to be around other people that challenge us, mm-hmm. not just stay stagnant with a group that might be more comfortable. Yeah, that's so good. And both of those points, I think, um, that you've made so far, it takes humility. Mm. It takes me being humble enough to say, I can't do this without Jesus, and I can't do this alone without other men. And I think for men, that's just always a struggle, but it's the reality that, like, I just, I I need to recognize that. Like, I'm not as tough or as strong as I think I am, or that I want to at least want others to think that I am. Mm-hmm. And so that humility, even of what in James where it says, confess your sins to each other, yeah. Um, it doesn't say confess your temptations or your weaknesses or your struggles, which that's fine, but it's a whole nother level of humility to go, here's my sin. And, um, but that's where, and then it says, and you will be healed. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's healing that comes from that of, of finding other men and just going like, listen, I really don't have much desire on my own to memorize scripture. Will you memorize it with me? Yeah. So great point. Yeah. And humility, I'm glad that you brought that up. Humility is needed for this second point too, and mm-hmm. accepting um, admonishment and yeah. accountability in our relationships. So the, the third point is extremely important, and it's to walk in step with our wives in faith, family leadership, and business. Hmm. And we can truncate our lives and say, well, we'll make family decisions together, but business, that's my area. And, uh, you know, we just read in Mark 10, 7 and 8, what Jesus talks about marriage. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And, and that applies to how we worship, how we lead our lives in the home and, and all the other areas of our lives. And, and Jessica and I um, have experienced great fruit from that. Uh, by the grace of God, we both came into marriage just believing in this without us even talking about it. Mm-hmm. But it's how we both led our family together and made decisions in all areas of our lives together. And we made you know, a decision early on to, to never move forward if we're not, not unified. And there are multiple examples of where this has saved us and, and also where it's, it's allowed us to experience the fruit of God. One, whenever we first got married for the first five years of marriage, I was going to seminary and all I wanted to do was go into ministry. I was mm-hmm. working in oil and gas, but um, I just wanted to go into full-time vocational ministry. And uh, I, I just had this burning, burning desire. Um, that's the only thing that mattered in life apart from, you know, Jessica and our family. Mm-hmm. And, and But she never had a piece about it. I mean, we would have tear-filled conversations. Just we were both gut-wrenched. But she was like, Mickey, I don't have a piece about it. This is not the right time. And uh, and so I, I didn't. And I didn't go into full-time ministry. And then later, whenever we came to Watermark and we started getting to serve and re-engage in foundation groups on Mercy Street, I realized this is the ministry that I always wanted in the first place. Yeah. And that I probably wouldn't have gotten to do um, if I'd have went to a church. I'd yeah. be worried about budgets and deacons and grumpy, you know, people and, or just whatever. Right. I, but you go to re-engage and, and are part of a group or facilitate a group. And people are just coming in with really big challenges and, and are just begging to hear the gospel every week yep. and to be reminded of what's true. And to me, that's the ministry that I always wanted to do. Right. And I would have missed out on that. Right. I would have blessed some congregation with a very immature individual focused on the approval of man and getting my identity from my role in minute, you know, ministry. And, and I wouldn't have been unified with my wife. And so mm. I'm so grateful that God saved us from that path. And he did it through Jessica. And But other decisions like moving from Houston to Dallas, adopting two siblings, the way God brings that together when we're pursuing the Lord together, uh, sometimes Jessica will bring up an idea, hey, I've been, Spirit's really laid this on my heart. I think this is the direction we should go. And it's like, I've been meaning to bring that up too. The Spirit's been telling me that, and it can be something totally out of the blue that we haven't talked about in a while. And God's just so gracious to lead us. And uh, the way that I envision it, it's like a leaf on a tree. Right now, these leaves are growing. They're going to be strong all through the summer. If you rip one off, it's going to rip off the bark and it's not healthy for the tree. Mm-hmm. But come fall and it's time for those leaves to be detached. Not only does it not take a lot of strength to rip it off, they get to the point where a small breath of air uh-huh. causes them to fall away from the tree and float to the ground. And that's how de- we've seen decisions be in our family. If we're seeking unity, we have to be patient and wait for God's timing. Mm-hmm. But when it's right, we have the joy of knowing God gives confirmation and we are totally unified in those decisions. And I'll share one more example. Um, you know, we make decisions together in business. And so years ago, I was working for a public company, moving up the ranks and had a great career track. But uh, there's just kind of an entrepreneurial drive that we both have. And, um, you know, we have this approach where the worst thing we can end up being is broke. Uh, as long as we're together, that's great. We right. both grew up without any money and we're not afraid to end life without any money. Yeah. Um, and so we're willing to take some risks. And uh, and so we made a decision to leave to start a new venture with some partners and uh, and that ended up blowing up in our faces a year and a half later. I ended really? up unemployed, uh, locked up under a non-compete for a certain period of time, eating dinner each night with five sets of eyes just looking at me. And I don't know how I'm going to provide food wow. in the table in a month or two. But the great thing was Jessica and I made the decision to leave that company and start the new venture together. Uh-huh. And so we never wavered in our confidence in each other and our confidence in God. And if I would have said, hey, I need this for me, 
where I'm going to reach out and step out and start a new company or we have to move to a new city or whatever. And then if that blows up, even if it doesn't blow up, you're not unified. But especially if the really bad things happen, then that those are the things that threaten to fracture a marriage and create deep scars yeah. that are hard to come back from. And so I am grateful that we got to walk through that season together. We were open with our kids about it from beginning to end. I knew I needed to take a decision that was going to cause me to get fired. Mm. And it had to do with some things that some other partners were doing. And we told our kids, like, I'm going to have a discussion with the board this week, and it's probably going to cause me to get fired. So wow. please be praying for that. But God will take care of us. And God did tremendously yeah. um, with peace, first off. Uh, and then material provision as well. But walking through that with my wife, making business decisions together with my wife has provided so much fruit and is just another opportunity to grow closer together. Yeah. And again, it's humility because you're having to be humble enough to listen to your wife or humble enough to tell your kids like, hey, I'm struggling or here's what we're praying for. And I think, again, remembering they're watching you. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times is the disconnect. The kids don't know either what you're learning in the Word or Mm -hmm. they don't know hey, mom and I are, you know, working on this or, hey, I, I, I've I, had to do this with my kids. Like, hey, I had to apologize to mom. Um, I just wasn't thoughtful the other day. And so, again, they're watching you. And then even in, as they get older, it's been fun in my life to bring them into decisions. Like even my decision to come here to Watermark mm. was really the first time with my kids being grown where I was like, guys, this is a, this is a major decision. And um, I would love to hear what you think, what your, your, your thoughts or insight. And I... I was amazed at the wisdom that my kids even shared with me where I was like, I that I had never thought about that. Or to find out where they're like, well, I've been praying this mm-hmm. about you. And um, just the the conversations that it opened up as well from um, being able to be, like you said, in step with them in that. Yeah, and I think that's Deuteronomy 6, mm-hmm. sharing life with them yeah. and having everything point back to, to God and them seeing that in action. They're absorbing uh, a faith and what it looks like to live that out, not just being taught yeah. what it should look like. I love it. Well, we've, uh, I, I'm at the end of my points, okay. you know, we had two sets of three. And so as, as we go, we could talk so much more about these, but I, I would like to share three resources for dads that want to go deeper in some of these topics. Right. Okay. And so, uh, the first one is a book called the business of faith. And it was written by Matt Levy and Jeff Ward, two members here at Watermark. Really? Uh, a phenomenal book. Huh. Highly recommend it. And dads around here, feel free to reach out to those guys because I know they love to talk about those topics. Um, The second one is by Randy Alcorn, and it's called Money, Possessions, and Eternity. I mean, just to figure out a a biblical perspective on resource and the importance of of treasure and stewardship in this life and the next. Foundational book that's changed a lot of men around here. And then the last one is one that I've read recently, but it's uh, just phenomenal. I could go on about it, but it's uh, by a guy named Terry Looper. And it's called Sacred Pace. And you want to talk about um, how to make decisions and him sharing many examples, how he got this wrong, mm. and then how he's figured out how to get it right, how it applies to business, faith, and family. Great. This, this book isn't a long read. It has four points. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of scripture in it, a lot of good quotes. And uh, it's a book that I'm going to read maybe every month for a while. Really? I mean, just okay. a foundational book, Sacred Pace by Terry Looper. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks, Mickey. This has been uh, super helpful. And I think very practical, though, too. I think dads can grasp grasp these things. And uh, I just want to remind all the dads that God has given you everything you need for life and godliness, promises wisdom to those who ask. And I just love the promise of 2 Corinthians 9, 8, where it says, and God is able to make all things abound. 
uh, all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. And just a reminder, all the grace you need is there. And I love, even as we've been doing uh, the Old Testament journey of God providing the manna every day, what they needed just for that day, that God gives us all the grace we need just each day. And uh, I got to rely on that. Good stuff. Okay. Well, thanks, Mickey. And guys, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Chris.